0: I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on
1: the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network.
0: Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And the man across the studio is Michael Swain of Fog.net. Michael, we are... Closing in quickly Mm -hmm. on the holidays. Next show would be scheduled on Christmas Eve. But we voted not to have a show on Christmas Eve. Mm -mm. You should be with friends and family and not with two guys in your living room. That sounded really weird. (laughs) We're taking a couple weeks off over the holidays, but we'll be back. So we're going to pick the bowls at the end of this show. Can't wait. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show on Twitter at The Drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that appears each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercatandfog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The first segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well... Kansas rallied to win at Indiana, 75-71, in a battle of two of the most storied programs in college basketball. Michael, KU was down for much of the game, so how did KU get this win? Some good old-fashioned grit. And yeah. fits. I think that's
1: been a pretty big theme for KU over the last couple of weeks. Think about UConn. KU trailed that game in the second half, mounted a run to take control of the game, you look a week ago, against Missouri. KU was down in the first half and they rallied because they were able to play really strong defense and get some good looks offensively. And I think this Indiana game continues to expose some of the issues KU does have, right? Perimeter shooting is a huge, huge worry. But what KU does have is players like Kevin McCullough, like Hunter Dickinson, and when Dewan Harris is aggressive, Dewan Harris, who can create moments. And that is what this game entailed, where KU for most of the first half did not execute well offensively. Defensively, they were a little bit off, but. This KU team has something going right now where in the second halves of games they're able to lock down defensively and on the other end they're able to maybe create better looks offensively and I think DeWan Harris holds the key for KU in this regard because when he's aggressive it forces other teams to guard him and when he's being passive and trying to create for others all of a sudden KU has three players that teams don't have to guard because teams are not guarding on Marco Jackson or KJ Adams on the perimeter and then if they're not guarding DeWan Harris all of a sudden Hunter Dickinson has four guys around him and that's a hard Game to play. So for KU in this game, they're able to figure things out. I think someone like Kevin McCullough did his best Jalen Wilson impression of last year. Think back to last year. How many times did Jalen Wilson decide, hey guys, I've got this, I'm gonna drive to the rim, draw a foul, get to the free throw line, convert? Those are the best ways to get back into some of these games when it limits the other team's ability to get in transition, get easy points, they got to walk the ball off the floor. And this game comes down to Kevin McCullough making his only shot from the field, Fitz, in the second half was a made three that gave KU the lead. It did not give back. So, look, KU is not playing perfect basketball right now. This team has issues. But I think you've got to give them a lot of credit for finding ways to win the game. And to quote uh, many people before, Fitz,
0: you play to win the game. Yes, you do. Um, let's, let's talk about K-State now.
1: I'm very excited for this, Fitz. I want to get your thoughts. So let's run through this real quick. So K-State led at halftime against Nebraska at home and then scored 12 second-half points, shooting 26% from the field in a 62-46 to loss.
0: Fitz, what? (laughs) No doubt. What? It was uh, something to behold. Uh, Jerome Tang uh, summed it up this way. Nebraska kicked our butt in the second half. And K-State was just simply inept in so many ways. They couldn't defend at a very high level. They got killed on the backboard. So many second chance points for Nebraska. And they didn't shoot it worth a darn. You know the old saying, you miss all the shots uh, you don't take? Well, K-State missed almost all the shots they did take. And in fact, they were 0 of 12 in the second half from three-point range. This was a pitiful performance. Just one of those nights, as Jerome Tang said, look, you're going to have four games a year where you just can't do nothing wrong and you're not going to lose. And you got those games every year where you can't explain what happened. We saw his former boss at Baylor go through the same thing in a game we picked on this show. And I tell you what, K-State just did not look like the team they did in the first half. Not that they were great in the first half, but at least they put ball in basket, which is kind of a simple thing to do if you're trying to win a game, it's essential. But this was a loss, and it was a pretty good crowd too, 10,000 people, the students are gone, a lot of students did make it back, a lot of the public was able to come to the game that weren't able to typically make it to Bramlage Coliseum because ticket demand is so high. I hope they don't need trauma counseling for what they saw. But it was a good environment. It, it was nice to see the, the locals show up in big numbers. But boy, this team had played so well for two games. And it looked like everything going on around them had no effect on them at LSU. And this time they looked a little bit sluggish. They looked really kind of just not engaged. And maybe it was finals week. They, they shut down a lot of finals week uh, because it was hard to get enough guys to practice. So maybe they were just rusty. I'm not going to be alarmed about this game unless it carries over into Thursday's game in Kansas City at T-Mobile against Wichita State. If they play like that against the Shockers and lose, then you have a right to be a little bit curious if something's wrong. Nebraska played a great game. They earned the win. Fred Hoiberg's got some dudes on that team, and I think they're going to be in trouble in that Big Ten.
1: If it's a saying in the NBA, right, it's a make-or-miss league. Well, I think basketball generally is a make-or-miss sport, and like you outlined, K-State yeah. didn't make. No, no Makey. No Makey. All right, Fitzwill. Texas Tech won the Big 12's first bowl game of bowl season. Thank God it's here. How important is it for the Big 12 conference to have a strong showing
0: in the postseason? It's really important. And what's odd is the Big 12 is an opportunity here to benefit from Texas. I mean, if <laughs> Texas could win a national title, hey, that's a Big 12 school. They just won it in volleyball on Sunday. That's a Big 12 school. So it's kind of interesting how that's happening. Uh, But we do need a good run by the Big 12. They didn't play so well last year in bowl games, and I think a lot of it was just poor matchups. But this was a pretty good matchup against Cal for Texas Tech, and they got off to just the worst possible beginning. They fumbled the opening kickoff and give up a touchdown one play in. But then they just pretty much shut down Cal the rest of the game and eased to a victory. Um, They looked pretty good, and I stand by my pick of Texas Tech to be a contender to win the Big 12 title this year. Even though it was completely wrong. Uh, But I think this is an indication that maybe the Big 12 is going to have better matchups. Certainly, Kansas has a matchup it can win, and just from a local standpoint, K-State, I know you feel like you don't have any players playing in the game, but you are a three-point favorite. So Vegas has faith in you beating an ACC team. Michael, I I think it's a huge bull season for the Big 12, but again, it's huge because of Texas being in the playoffs and can they win and so much of this too right Fitz is going to be narrative heading into the offseason
1: if Texas and Oklahoma are the teams that end up dominating their bowl games outside of maybe like an Oklahoma State or a Texas Tech winning their game you know what the talk is going to be all offseason right how screwed is the Big 12 the competitiveness is not going to be there it's not going to be a great product what would really help the Big 12 going into this offseason is a team like Kansas dominating UNLV showing how much better it is k-state being shorthanded and beating a nc state team someone like oklahoma state you know going in and winning the texas bowl i think there are a lot of these bowl games here fits that can help shift the narrative for the off season and look it's not everything we know next year the league is going to be really fun week in week out but talking season lasts for a pretty long time in college football so it's huge to set the expectation for the off season and heading into next year
0: agreed it just gives you that little oomph if you win your bowl game mm-hmm. now a quick look at our poll question results the poll questions are brought to you by midland exteriors love the home you live in call today for a free estimate last week's question was how has k-state Handled the Naquan
1: Tomlin situation. 5% of people said good, 5% said okay, 18% said bad, and 72% said disastrous. That's
0: 90%. That's 90% doesn't think the school handled it very well. That's Mm. astonishing. Here's this week's question Outside of the playoffs and New Year's six games, are bowl games even important now? Mm. And your choices are I mixed it up a little bit. It's just not yes or no. Yes, no, sometimes I just want to watch the games. I have a feeling that's going to win because that's what I would vote for. Vote on our Twitter page at TheDrive13. All right, that will do it for this half of the two-minute
1: drill, but we'll be back with more on KU and K-State here on The Drive.
0: Welcome back to The Drive. Fueled by BriggsAuto.com We are back and we continue our weekly two-minute drill and this segment of the two-minute drill sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Lance Leipold and the Jayhawks are prepping for their bowl appearance in Arizona. Michael Howard, the Jayhawks shaping up for their December 26th game with UNLV.
1: Well, Fitz, they have more starters available to play than K-State does. But overall, things have been going pretty well for KU. They've figured out this nice method where they spend the first part of the week out recruiting. The coaches are out of town. They're out trying to build this roster for next year and see how things look. And then they return on Thursday. They practice Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they go out on the road. Now, that schedule ends on Sunday night. Now, this next week is when they get into bowl prep and look, KU fans got to look out for a few things this week. So we're getting that point now, Fitz, where if the guys are gonna play in the bowl or not play in the bowl, they've got a decision to make. I'm looking at someone like Austin Booker, KU's star defensive end. He's deciding between the NFL or returning to KU. I expect that decision will come this week. I think Devin Neal, the running back, he also is going to have a decision. Does he want to go pro? Does he want to stay at Kansas for another year and potentially be the all-time leading rusher? I think that's a decision that could come this week. And I think one of the guys that could also opt out is Dominic Pooney, KU's starting left tackle. He's someone that has been invited to the Senior Bowl and has done a lot of work for himself with his level of play over the last two years. There's a lot at stake for him. I wouldn't, if I was his advisor, Fitz, I'd be telling him, do not play in the bowl game. You've done your work for Kansas. You've earned the opportunity to pass up the bowl to make sure you can earn a lot of money by performing well at the senior bowl. Now Fitz, here's something to watch. If Dominic Puni does not play, that creates a pathway for Calvin Clements, the true freshman offensive lineman from Lawrence to potentially start KU's bowl game at left tackle. He's someone that generated a lot of buzz during fall camp and last spring during his first year of the program. And so he could get his first chance to start in the bowl game that'd be pretty exciting to see. So for right now it seems like KU's going to have a pretty strong team able to play and it's going to be a question of, hey, is KU going to come out in this game and blow UNLV out of the water where some of these younger guys are able to get some time on task? Or is this going to be a game where you see guys like Mason Fairchild playing, you know, four quarters and playing through the entire game? So, so far, KU's looking pretty good for the bowl
0: game, but still some big decisions to come this week. That's interesting how bowl games have changed. It's Mm -hmm. just not as important to the players apparently. They're hitting the portal or going to of the league and and then they're now kind of turning into you know opportunities for young guys to put on a show and we'll see if that works out i know that's going to happen for k-state yeah fits and let's get to that so meanwhile right at k-state
1: the wildcats preparing for their bowl game in orlando against nc state What do you expect to happen with freshman Avery Johnson taking over at quarterback?
0: Well, you know, actually quarterback is not really my worry right now. That's what's odd. People are so focused at this position. I think there's a great feeling that um, he's going to be prepared and ready to play. But when asked about that, Chris Kleiman said, I'm really interested to see how he prepares himself. Uh, You know, the game is one thing, but I want to see how he handles this with all the snaps and everything going into this game. If it Going to work out but as you know will howard is gone um he's in the transfer portal still looking for his place ben senate has declared for the nfl draft and so the junior won't be playing they're pretty good at at tied in but you not know, having Ben senate hurts but they had a couple departures in the transfer portal that really they caught the coaches a little bit off guard including nate matlack who just committed to pit defensive end wanted a four-man front and kobe savage really shocked everyone by going in and it looks like he might end up at oregon but they have young guys at these spots. They have guys that are eager to put on, you know, get on the field and try to put on a show. So I'm about as excited for this bowl game as I've been in a while. Because you're going to see a good glimpse of the players that will be around for the future of Kansas State football under Chris Kleiman. And the transition to Avery Johnson really gives them an opportunity. Uh, they, they've been kind of piecing it together at quarterback. Really good quarterbacks. It's Skylar Thompson, Will Howard, and Adrian Martinez. But Now they have an opportunity to kind of build around a quarterback for two, three, four years depending on how it all works out. We'll see if Avery plays as well as we hope. We'll see if they have the depth to hold up Um, and I'm interested to see what special teams look like. You know a lot of those guys are now playing significant roles but Chris Kleiman said the heck with it this game does not count in any way against your eligibility so just roll all those young guys out there and you know just let them play see what happens and it's kind of a fun approach but tell you what the same thing in manhattan they're recruiting they're managing the transfer portal they're trying to hire an offensive coordinator still and oh yeah you got to prepare for a bowl game it's just a mess fitz they got to change the calendar i'm sure we'll talk about this maybe after the
1: holidays but the calendar there's too (coughs) much going on right now for coaches and for players Uh, this has
0: to change no it's it's absolutely ridiculous it's it's insane and now we step out of bounds, and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Dara's Corner Market. We love local, and we are local for you. So, Fitz, UCLA coach Chip Kelly
1: proposed a really interesting idea that college football should break away from regular conferences, right, so football separate, to be split into a 64 schools in an upper and lower conference. Um, give us your thoughts on this plan, and do you think this would even work?
0: Uh, you know what? I'm intrigued by this because... I've always approached this. People talk about soccer regulation and up and down. I can't even say the word. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's horrible. Um, But I never liked that. I mean, like, this isn't soccer. But he's proposing there are no conferences for football, which I had never stopped to think about. No conferences for football. What you have is a 64 upper division of teams and likely a lower division, of course, to go with that. And you play within your region during the season. You might have ten games against these opponents at this division, and seven would be in your region and three would be against, you know, if you're west coast, you're going to go east. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by it. I think it's very interesting. And then without conferences, it makes sense to be able to move people up and down. And you'd still play a couple games against the lower divisions. Mm-hmm. I I just thought it was a good thinking out of the box. I mean, it, it just – kind of makes sense and then you can return your leagues to be regional so softball and all those other sports aren't traveling all over the country
1: fitz i think it gets back to the heart of what college sports should be right i think Mm -hmm. it's a lot about regional rivalries regional geography and teams that are close to each other like iowa state and k-state playing each other frequently every year so those rivalries stay the same and you also get those big time matchups right oregon can play alabama washington can play georgia so I think it's a pretty good idea. Will it happen? No, but it's a good idea.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things going on in college athletics, and we're going to find out if it all shakes out in some bizarre manner. I don't know where we're headed. I I I just don't. I mean, it's just so weird. Now let's hear from our fans. And our fan question is sponsored by Metalark Retirement Awaits in Manhattan, where you can live your way every stinking day. Okay, there's uh, our fan question this week is. Is there a reason to worry about these Jayhawks? That's from Dell and Topeka. Uh, yes, there is. They can't shoot. And I think that's
1: a big issue, Fitz, when you get in a Big 12 play and you start playing these teams twice because they start to figure out the sets to get Hunter Dickinson open, and they figure out ways to guard you. So I think this KU team is going to win a lot of games, but I'm still concerned about the shooting and where some of that secondary scoring is going to come from.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I, I wouldn't have thought that that KU would have would have these shooting problems although there's there was going to be their strength. But – what do I know? Nothing. Can't even say words. <laughs> Remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at the Drive 13 When we return, we look at your predictions. Oh, no. Right here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive. Fueled by BriggsAuto.com. And it is time to head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now, let's take a look at our predictions. We don't really want to. Predictions are brought to you by Kites, meeting your friends at Kites since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the drive 13. Here are last week's results. Nope, let's not look at them. That, uh, those are the same numbers we had the week before. Who would have thought I've got the hot hand at two and four over a two week period? <laughs> <I> <laughs> That's just awful. Three. It's awful. I don't know. Here, let's get started with this week's picks. And a reminder that we won't have shows for the next two weeks, so let's talk bulls. K State and NC State in the Pop Tarts Bowl. K State's actually, what, a three and a half point favorite, Michael? I'm stunned by that, but I'll take K State. What the heck? Yeah, I like
1: Avery Johnson, but, man, I'm going to take NC State because I think they have more players that I know of that are going to play. Yeah, it's
0: it's so hard to pick bowl games mm-hmm. nowadays. Let's move on to yeah. the next one. This one's uh, tough. Hey, this
1: one's UNLV versus Kansas, right? We're going down to Phoenix. Twelve and a half points yeah. Kansas is favored by. I'm going to take KU because I think they pull away late. But, man, Fitz, this is a tough one. I mean
0: – if KU wins by 12 or fewer points, I win if I take UNLV. And it's UNLV. The last two letters are Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm all in because right? there's no logical reason. Same way I picked Michigan State to beat Baylor last week. Look how that worked out. Our last game of the week is Texas and Washington mm. in the playoff. Texas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm going to take Washington. I'll take Texas. I think they are going to go to the
1: national title game.
0: Well, that's unfortunate and good at the same time. It's such confusing times in which we live. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at TheDrive13. Now, it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community, and let's start with Michael Swain of Fog.net.
1: Fitz, I want to talk about something that Brian Borland, KU's defensive coordinator, said on Saturday. We were talking to him about the transfer portal, how crazy things are. And he made a really good point that KU is focusing on keeping the current roster together. And they're being very selective in the transfer portal, where if a guy says they want a certain amount of money to come to Kansas, they're not getting in that game where you're paying to play. You're paying guys just to get to campus. What KU is going to do, focus on keeping guys like Melo Dotson, Kobe Bryant, Jalen Daniels, maybe even Devin Neal, if he decides to pass up the NFL, keep those guys in Lawrence, make sure they are taken care of. And there are plenty of guys in the portal that aren't looking for a payday. And over time, they will get their payday in Lawrence as they earn the money. They're not getting it on the front end. I think it's a really interesting way to take transfer portal and try and manage it all. And for a program like KU that does not have infinite resources in that NIL department, I think it's a pretty good way to go.
0: You know, that's interesting. KU and K-State are really, you know, coming at this is the identical way. K-State's kind of the same way. And, you know, a player like Kobe Savage thought he was worth more by leaving. And K-State thought they were paying him plenty in NIL money. And yet, yeah, I've got to admit, if he ends up getting a big bag of money at Oregon, good for him. Will Howard goes into the portal because he's told he's worth one and a half to two million dollars. Well, I don't know if those numbers will ever really kind of materialize but will will get paid more because honestly, they needed to clear the way for Avery Johnson. The the transfer portal is a great thing, but it is a total mess. It needs to be moved back after the bowl season. These teams are being asked to play in bowls while players are leaving to go get a bunch of money. It's crazy. Just cancel the bowl games or move it back because this is untenable. You can't form rosters for bowl games out of thin air. It's just a mess. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you in a few weeks right here and all week on social media.